0: Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership.
1: Hello, my friends. Thanks for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling. And as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. Today, you're going to hear the first half of my two-part conversation with David Hincapie, who's with the Washington Field Office of the Small Business Administration. In this episode, David will share his EO aha moment, the experience that turned him into a passionate EO advocate. He'll also explain the SBA 7A and 504 loans that are available to employee-owned companies. Finally, we'll chat about some of the challenges there have been with accessing SBA funding for employee-owned companies. Next week, we'll air part two of the conversation, which I found very interesting. And that's how employee ownership practitioners, advocates, and organizations can work with the SBA to create a whole lot of VO transactions. I hope you enjoy part one. There is a lot of talk in employee ownership about the SBA, what funding is available, and frankly, how challenging it can be to get SBA funding. Well, I've got great news for all of us in employee ownership. We have a friend on the inside. I'm joined today by David Hincapie. David, thanks
0: for coming on the podcast. Happy to be here. Do me a favor and share your title, uh, your job. What do you do? I am an economic development specialist in the Washington Metropolitan Area District Office of the SBA. That is one of 68 district offices throughout the country. We, our service area covers the District of Columbia, in Maryland, Montgomery, and Prince George's counties, and in Northern Virginia, Loudoun, Fairfax, and Arlington counties.
1: So those are the counties that your district office uh, handles, mm-hmm. but you're unique among all the district offices because your office is actually located in the same building as the National SBA headquarters.
0: Yes, we are. We're, we're, we're in one floor, our district office. We share it with the SBA Office of International Trade, And the SBA headquarters is the floors above us for all the other program offices, Office of Women's Business Ownership, Veteran Business Development, uh, Capital Access, the loan programs, everything else is in that building.
1: So, and as we'll cover a little (coughs) bit later, as you have delved into employee ownership, Mm -hmm. you actually have a lot of resources in the building that some of the district offices would have to reach out
0: Yes, it's a it's an advantage. Sometimes when I have a question, I can well pre pandemic days, I could just go upstairs and go to the right people and get the question answered. Yeah, that's an advantage sometimes.
1: David, we're going to uh, talk about your e o aha moment, but first I do want to give a heads up to our listeners. As we're recording this, it is Thursday, November fifth, two p.m. We are in Washington D.C., a couple of blocks from the White House. For those of you listening well into the future it's election time. Still hasn't been decided yet. I've been in D.C. all week just, frankly, celebrating democracy. But if you hear background noise, sirens, first of all, we are in a city. Second of all, could mean something's going on in D.C. So hopefully you'll ignore the background noise. With that, David, you have just a really cool story, how you become so passionate about employee ownership. And I know it ties to your starting of the job at the SBA. So, so share your EO aha moment, please.
0: Well, I, I came to the SBA and to Washington, D.C. from Southern California uh, on August 2nd, 2018. And that was a Thursday. On uh, Monday, August 6th was my first day at the SBA. And I got started and was doing all the usual in-processing that you do with any kind of new job, You know, going to human resources and getting this briefing and that briefing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, The first week went by uneventfully, um, and on Monday of my second week, in an internal newsletter that we receive, I saw notice, a, a, a news item was flagged about the NDAA, which is the National Defense Authorization Act. That was the one named after John McCain. Folded into that was something called the Main Street Employee Ownership Act. It was originally a standalone bill, but then it was folded into the NDAA. And in it, it talked, the the news article talked about uh, the provisions for Main Street um, uh, for employee ownership. And I read up on it. And I had known what a cooperative was before. I knew about employee-owned companies and the employees were the shareholders. I didn't know the details of it, how it all worked. But this intrigued me. And I this was only my second week of work. I was not fully yet into my normal duties you know you got to get your computer you got to get your phone you got there's all kinds of stuff that's got has to go on plus we were also in the last two months of the fiscal year so wrapping up lots of projects so here i am i'm starting and then they're doing their best to orient me and get me integrated into the team while at the same time doing all this other work so i had a little bit of time off uh, not time off but just time to myself they said go read this go learn this go watch this video and and part of that was i was reading up on the main, on employee ownership
1: david let me just interrupt because it's classic management story <laughs> a new hire comes on you don't really have the time to go deep in the processing because the SBA is is crazy busy at the end of their fiscal year. Yeah. So they just sent you off. They gave you the basics and said, go learn some stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did.
0: Yeah, exactly. So in that, that was on a Monday and uh, there, I had finished watching the videos that I need training videos that you've got to watch. And and I needed a break from reading uh, some of the policy manuals. Um, it's not it's not the best prose in English. And so I was following up on this employee ownership stuff on that same day. And I came across uh, all the organizations, you know, National Center for Employee Ownership, uh, the NCBA, the National Cooperative Business Association. I came across the ESOP Association, the um, ESOP S Corporations of America, uh, Cooperation Works, uh, everybody and Project Equity. And I just started doing a deep dive on everything, reading everything, printed out a bunch of stuff, took it home with me that night, was reading it. Then the next day I come back, that's a Tuesday, and I carry on with my my job, integrating into the team here and learning more about this because it is, after all, part of my job. It's small businesses and it involves lending, NSBA programs. So they coincided in that way. I kept learning more and uh, on that day, my—I uh, call her my deputy boss. She's a deputy district director. She asked me if I would be comfortable going to some of the SBA lenders in Germantown, which is a town in Montgomery County, north of DC. Uh, it's not far, but it feels far because it, it feels semi-rural when you, once you get outside of DC in there, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll go talk to the lenders, and um, we had to do a, 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 an annual visit, a final visit with them, and there was no one else available, so I went up there. By that time, I had already read the NCEO report on lending to ESOPs and how the default rate is very low. Now, it comes with caveats because their sample set is very small, and they, say, they said, look, we, we can't say this is definitive, but we have a pretty good sample set, and this is, these are the conclusions we're able to draw. And what jumped out at me was that the default rate on loans to ESOPs is so small based on that sample set. It's less than 1%. Well, anybody who's ever worked around commercial lending or lending of any kind, a default rate of less than 1% is the kind of thing that makes lenders happy. So, as I mentioned a minute ago, coincidentally, they asked me to start going to visit some lenders. Okay. So I asked her. Can I mention this by the way? And she asked me what it was. She didn't know employee that this ownership. employee ownership, right? You know, and, and the Main Street Employee Ownership Act. And she she said, wait a minute, what's that? And of course, this it had just passed a week before. So no one knew, no one unless you were an advocate for it, you weren't paying attention. And so even in the SBA, people didn't know about it unless they read the news bulletin. She said, Tell me about that. And so I told her about that. She said, Oh wow, that's that's really interesting. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. So obviously we don't have the policies in place for this, but yeah, you can, you can mention it, that this is a new thing and it's going to be coming down, uh, down the pike. Right. So I go off and I talk to the lenders and I mention this to them in addition to doing the, the normal visit that I was supposed to do. Oh, by the way, uh, this just passed and you might be interested in this because there are, X number of uh, small businesses in the state of Maryland, and surely some of them are in your service area here around Germantown, people who you service. Maybe some of them are customers of yours. And they might be looking to sell, right? The owner might be looking to retire. So there were these statistics, these that I got. So some of it I got from the NCEO, the National Center for Employee Ownership. Some of it I got from Project Equity. Uh, Some of it was from SBA Research, and a lot of the data,
1: just to yeah. let you know, emanates from Rutgers University and some yes. of the other places yes. where the organizations that you mentioned, and NCO does a lot of their research mm-hmm. by themselves, standalone, yeah. but a lot of us rely on uh, the um, employee ownership curriculum that Rutgers has put together. Right,
0: right. And I stumbled across something from San Diego as well. Yeah, the Beister uh, Institute. Yeah, yep. so... So here I am with all this uh, to talk about to these first lenders that I went to in in this small bank and uh, a community bank. And and I mentioned it to them and they got very interested you know, their eyes got really wide. When you talk to a lending officer about a one percent default rate to a certain category of customer, they suddenly want to know more. And I said, okay, so we don't have the policies in place. It's going to be a 7a loan. Now, 7a loan is the major SBA loan program. That's the general business loan uh, that the SBA does. Yeah, and we'll talk more yeah, about yeah. that. So you might have good customers for this, possibly. But you know, I'll keep you informed, right? Now, just letting you know this is this is going to be happening. Uh, you'll, you'll be hearing more about it. So that was that was my aha moment. It was just realizing that the SBA loan program, seven uh, A loan program, could be used to find buyers for a lot of these businesses who will never find a buyer. You know, a lot of a lot of businesses that are doing two million or three million a year in, in revenue uh, that might sell for between five and ten million dollars uh, sale price that they're never going to find a buyer because they're not they're not big enough for a strategic buyer to be interested. And the strategic buyer is one that wants to buy them to remove them as a competitor. They're not big enough for you know, some private equity firm to buy them because they just don't make enough money. They're not interested in that. And they're not going to grow. They don't have the potential for growth, nor do they have the potential to be bought and then stripped of assets and sold for a profit. So so they just don't find a buyer. And these small business owners who might have been at work for 20 years, 25 years, running this business and growing it, um, they have to liquidate and they don't make nearly as much as if they sell it as an operating business. Uh, And they may not even have a lot of assets to liquidate. So so this solves a lot of problems. You sell it, you create a buyer, uh, by selling it to the employees the employees get to keep their jobs if the business has been around for 20 years and is reasonably profitable obviously it's doing something worthwhile in that community it's, it's, it's employing people and with with the money those people earn from their salaries and their wages they buy houses, they rent apartments they shop at the local stores etc.
1: It adds, as mm-hmm. my friend Jen Briggs said on a podcast a few weeks ago it adds to the community health Yes, it makes the community stronger
0: yes Yes, it absolutely does. So that was my aha moment. It was just this serendipitous coincidence. I happened to start work the day the NDAA was actually signed in the law or maybe the day right after, something like that. And a week later, I hear about it and I hear about this new SBA um, in connection to it by way of the Main Street Employee Ownership Act.
1: We're going to talk about the 7A program and and get into it a little bit. And and then the main thrust of the podcast is going to be um, what barriers there might be to SBA funding, Mm -hmm. both legitimate barriers Mm -hmm. and also just a misunderstanding, and what employee ownership can do to overcome those barriers, essentially create demand Mm -hmm. uh, with the SBA. But- what struck me in your aha moment, and I'm really glad you had it, David. Uh, mm-hmm. You and I have had a couple of phone calls and, and had lunch before recording this, and you are the real deal. You believe, as it's going to come out, you have drank of the EO Kool-Aid and you have pronounced it good. Yeah. You went to the deputy director of the SBA, who didn't really know what employee ownership
0: was. Oh, this was this was actually different. This was, um, I went to, so the SBA, uh, the, um, the, the SBA administrator is the top SBA person. That's the person in charge. And then the associate administrators are in charge of the different program offices. So the program, the Office of Capital Access, Office of Disaster Assistance, Office of Field Operations. That's where we are, the, 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 the district offices, also known as field offices, the 68 that are across the country. So uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I happened to go to a senior person in... Um, the Office of Disaster Assistance to ask about the disaster assistance loans, the by now, I think, well known economic injury disaster loans. And <laughs> that I. That has been very big. This that year, has been very big in the news, yeah, unfortunately. Right. And so I immediately realized this was going to go on longer than six weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks. I thought we're going to be in this pandemic for a year minimum. So these businesses, there's going to be. Uh, Shutdowns. There's going to be social distancing, and I. Here's the. Here's a curious thing. I already knew what social distancing was from having watched that movie Contagion. <laughs> In that movie, they mentioned social distancing, and I thought, oh, we're going to have to do that, and and that means I'm not going into any concerts. People aren't going to be hanging around, you know, at happy hour. You, they're going to discourage people from having backyard barbecues. So, businesses are going to lose a lot of money. They're going to need the economic injury disaster loan. And by that, and you know, I was interested in the employee owned businesses. So, I dug into the disaster assistance um, field manual or SOP, the manual that we have for the loans. And I saw in there that cooperatives, only a certain kind of cooperatives, were allowed to have them. And so, I went upstairs to ask and say, is there any way this might change? Because there are a lot of, you know, this, these only certain kinds of cooperatives, agricultural cooperatives are eligible for this. But there are lots of other cooperatives that are going to lose money. And, and the person I was speaking to didn't quite understand. I said, well, Ace Hardware is a purchasing cooperative. So the question came out, well, well, what do you mean? What's a cooperative? So then I spent 15 minutes giving a mini seminar on what a, a worker cooperative, a purchasing cooperative, a marketing cooperative, in addition to their agricultural cooperatives and farmer cooperatives that everybody's familiar with or may not be familiar with, you know, Tillamook, um, Land O'Lakes, uh, Ocean Spray, Organic Valley. Uh, they're my go-to for uh, for milk. Um, <laughs> I, let's you know, give them a shout-out again. Yeah, let's do give it Organic plain, Valley. For organic Miller. Valley. I, yeah, I like, I like buying their grass milk. Uh, Excellent. You know? um, so I, um, I explain. There's all these co- – and in addition to worker cooperatives. Now, they're usually smaller, but I said, but there's big ones. There's equal exchange. They've got 135 people. They do 70 – I think over $70 million a year in business. And the person I'm talking to, their eyes get wide. Really? That much? It's like a real business? And now that it's a real business, that's something you hear a lot when people talk about cooperatives. They think cooperatives are just people selling you homemade soap or something at the local flea market, or you know. Right. They don't realize it's a big operation. And can to be, be honest
1: with you, hippies yeah. and, and <laughs> no,
0: right. the, the right. communes, etc., cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, right. yeah, misperceptions. Yeah, there's a total uh, yeah misperception about that. So so this is cooperatives, not ESOPs, but. But I'm here explaining to someone about employee ownership in the form of cooperatives. And this person says, wow, I didn't know. Now, they've been at the SBA since the 90s. And they were heavily involved in the production of the SOP. And so the SBA doesn't know any, as an institution, the SBA knows little to nothing about cooperatives because even until 2015, A worker cooperative was not eligible for an SBA general business loan, the previously mentioned 7A loan, because it wasn't categorized as a business concern. It was categorized, or a business enterprise, a small business enterprise. It was categorized as something else. We won't go into that history here, but... That's a fact, and so that means the SBA doesn't know anything about cooperatives.
1: And it almost sounds like because the agricultural cooperatives were written in 20 years ago, and we don't know why, but you could see where um, congressional... Members or staff members might be aware of the farmers' cooperative. Mm-hmm. so they they did what lobbyists do or that sort of thing. They got agricultural exactly. cooperatives in. Yeah. whereas it'd be much better from the eO perspective if the word agricultural had been
0: exactly stripped out. exactly.
1: Give me an overview well, of the 7a program because ultimately, I do want this episode to include what is available, right. But the the vast majority of the episode, You've hit on a note that I think is very important, and it is the challenge of employee ownership, Mm. and that is there are too many people in government, state, local, federal, Mm. and in banking, and we'll touch upon that, who don't really know about employee ownership, and my perception very strongly is it's not the fault of people to know that which they've never been asked about. So for me, yeah. it's a demand, but before we get yeah. there, can you talk about the 7A program, talk about the size of the loans, and just kinda very broadly, what's available?
0: Well, the 7A program is the long longstanding uh, uh, general business loan program. You can use that, it's a maximum of seven, uh, $5 million, and you can use it for uh, working capital, buying inventory, uh, you can use it for land, for buildings, for improvements, there is another loan program called the 504, which is for fixed assets. I mean, it, usually, it's for property, but it can also be large capital assets. Um, so, if you're an existing business, business including yeah. an
1: employee-owned business, perhaps, yeah. you can get the 504 lending yeah. for the fixed assets. For the fixed assets. But when answer. we're talking about transactions creating new employee ownership, that's, that's going to be under the 7A.
0: Yes. So under the 7A, it's up to $5 million. It's a 75% guarantee. So the SBA, these are SBA guaranteed loans, which means the SBA doesn't do the direct loan. The SBA guarantees the loan when a lender does the loan. And that's usually a bank or a credit union. An SBA preferred lending partner, is what we call them, a PLP, and they do the 7A loan. We give them a guarantee of seventy-five percent as long as all the underwriting and, and other standards are met.
1: You guarantee seventy-five percent of the five million. Of
0: the five million.
1: On yeah. loans that you know have, because you said it earlier, mm. a default rate of less than one percent. On less than one so percent. They're yes. safe. So they're very safe, and you guys are guaranteeing seventy-five percent. Yeah. The bank's not really at risk. Yeah. Generally, only one percent on the remaining twenty-five. Right. Great.
0: Right. Great safety for the bank. It is. It is, and so. So uh, the term of it is ten years, which is very unusual for this sort of business loan. Um, you know, if you get some sort of working capital loan from a from a bank, it's going to be two years, maybe. Um, so this is up to ten years. Uh, it doesn't have to be ten years, but it's, it can be up to ten years. So you're all you're anyone who gets one of these loans is going to be negotiating all this with their lender, right? Um, the term of it and the interest rate. Um, there's a cap on that as well, and so. That's the SBA business loan. It's a guaranteed loan. The guarantee is meant to be an incentive for small, for banks, for lenders to lend to businesses that might have difficulty getting access to financial capital. Uh, you know, per, the, the, having the guarantee could be an incentive for them to do it if they're marginal.
1: Let me ask this: um, as my regular listeners know, I spent seven years as an ESOP trustee. <laughs> Uh, Lost track of the transactions, the number, you know, I think it was about 100 transactions. But all of them just about required financing. Very few were were owner-financed. If we set aside the SBA part for just a moment, Mm. ironic on an SBA episode, Mm. but all the negotiating, the interest rates, that sort of thing with the banks is going to happen anyway. Yes. In other words, you're not saying to the casual listener, hey, you got all this additional process. There is documentation, perhaps, there are, there are some rules that must apply, but they're all handled between the bank or the mm-hmm. PLP, as, as yes. folks call them, uh, and the SBA. Yes. So if I'm borrowing the money, I'm going to be put through a lot of hoops if someone's going to loan me millions. Yep. This isn't more um, drastic than that.
0: No, it's, it's, it's the same amount of work. If, if you're going to sell a company, even if it's a very small company that's going to sell, let's say it's going to sell for five million dollars, there's going to be a lot of work in administrative work involved in this. right? You're going to negotiate the selling price with whoever the buyer is. Your lawyer is going to look at their proposal. Their lawyer is going to look at your proposal. You're going to have inspections. You're going to have valuations. There's all this work to be done. It's going to be done anyway.
1: I just want to right. reemphasize, as an ESOP trustee, that's all the work we are doing anything. I'm, right. I'm just right. putting the, the hammer on top of what you said of valuations. Trustee doesn't do it without a valuation invite. Everything yeah. comes into play. Right.
0: And you have to have a valuation for an SBA loan anyway. It's right. required. It's in our SOP. So all. Or- For those who've listened to me, and I've come up to kind of do this as an aside, the trustee
1: isn't going to share the valuation with the SBA. It would require the company to have their own valuation to share with the SBA, but the trustee isn't going to release the valuation report to anybody because trustees don't do that.
0: Right. Now back to David. (laughs) So all this work happens. And see, the work between the lender and the SBA, that connection really is about one thing. It's about that guarantee. That's what it's about. That's what essentially it boils down to. The lender wants to reduce their risk just like any lender does. That's what they care about. They want to make money making the loan, fine. But they want to reduce their risk. If they can reduce their risk by attaching whatever assets you know, as security for the loan, great. If they can reduce their, reduce their risk doing some other thing, great. And if they can reduce their risk furthermore by getting a government agency to partially guarantee the loan. They're going to do that too. And that involves merely meeting our standards, SBA standards, for the underwriting, for getting evaluation, for doing certain things, submit it to us, we're going to review it, and we're going to say, okay, check, 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 you got your guarantee. And that's what it is. It adds a little bit of time to the whole transaction, but you're, we're talking about adding a month or a month and a half to a transaction that's going to, sale of a business is going to take, could take you 12 months anyway. So if you plan ahead, if you if, if you, if you uh, plan ahead for whatever you're doing, it's, it's really not a big problem.
1: When someone would call me for an ESOP tr- uh, transaction, and as the trustee, this is, they've done the feasibility study, they're mm-hmm. pretty sure they're going to go ahead, there's no guarantee that we'll close, but they're ready to assemble the team. On the quick side... We're looking at three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a trustee, that generally was my comfort level of how quick I'd be willing to do this per DOL guidelines, sometimes Mm -hmm. a little bit quicker. We would see without even the SBA involvement that financing, you know, if if you've come to me as a trustee wanting to close in 60 to 90 days and you haven't even begun your bank financing process. That's going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the year-end financing, you should actually be working on, at least in your mind, talking to your current lenders, that kind of thing, back at the feasibility study. Oh, yes. There there are two points that I want to chat with you a little bit. One of the challenges with ESOP financing, and I am certainly more versed with ESOPs than co-ops and collectives, but is that personal guarantee? (laughs) And the selling Mm -hmm. shareholders like, hey, I'm selling my shares. Why do I have to personally guarantee it? That's to be negotiated. Sometimes you can negotiate out of that. Maybe uh, Does the SBA require the selling shareholder to, to guarantee,
0: I guess, the 25%? So normally, you're not gonna require whoever is selling whatever to guarantee the loan. Why? They're selling it. What you're requiring is the person who's buying, right? The entity that is purchasing with borrowed money to guarantee the loan.
1: In ESOP world, the problem is the buyer as the trust doesn't have collateral. Doesn't exactly. have. It's exactly. a brand new entity. Right. So me as the trustee, first of all, Brett personally isn't signing for anything. Right. Uh, but even as the trustee, I don't have the assets right. in a new transaction to guarantee it.
0: Right. So this is what has slowed down the adoption, or, or or what makes it slow for these loans to happen in an ESOP sale. Right. When you're gonna when, when the selling shareholder is gonna sell to the to the trust. Um, is just that, well, you, there is no personal guarantee. You can have one because there's no person. There's a trust. So who is going to guarantee this thing? That is precisely what has slowed things down. So in a sense, there is a conflict between what was spelled out in the legislation and the way we have done 7A loans since 7A loans began. Because 7A loans were usually loans taken out by a person or persons, and they would provide the personal guarantee. But now it's not a person. It's a trust. And they, right, and you know, but the, the internal loan between the firm and the, and the thing. So how does all that fit in with the way the 7A program works in the SBA? That's what slows things down. That's why, to my knowledge... There have only been three 7A loans made for employee ownership since this legislation passed. In the two years
1: that you've been with the SBA, and you looked for the loans, and you could only find three. Yes. (laughs) Share, uh, by contrast, the uh, number of loans in your district office in the last year, or... Compare it. How many loans right. is the SBA doing?
0: So, in our district office alone, just last year, we we got some numbers recently. Actually, uh, they were all compiled because it's we're just started the fiscal year. We did 262 7A loans for roughly a, a 107 million dollars, a little bit more than that, 107 million eight hundred thousand dollars in our district alone. One of sixty nine. One of sixty eight districts. One of sixty eight districts. Yes. Right. So some districts do a lot more than others you know the i i suspect the 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 Nebraska district office is going to do a lot less than the Los Angeles district office right the, the district office for all of Nebraska i suspect does a lot less than the one for just LA uh, district but you can see that there's a, a large number of loans to my and when i say to my knowledge this is this means something specific it's because Loans to employee-owned entities, right, to, to cooperatives and to ESOPs are so brand new that we don't even have that information captured, set aside. I cannot go into the database and search for all the loans made to employee-owned firms. What I have to do is go talk to people in the loan processing centers and say, does anyone remember doing anything to, for <laughs> with an ESOP, right? I have to call people. And And when you share this,
1: the response often at the district office is, what's an ESOP? Yes. Employee ownership. And this, again, is EO's problem of education, Mm. and it's breaking through all kinds of clutter. Yeah. But you're... And by the way, you may end up being able to do... And you already have a lot of education internally in the SBA because Mm. you've got the passion. But this is... The two-sided coin uh, or the never-ending circle that I was referring to, employee ownership complains that there aren't SBA resources or they're not tailored for SBA. But SBA doesn't have the knowledge, and we're not creating that demand. Right. So that is the challenge, and I'm, I'm just repeating that. So we've got three loans. You presumably there were a couple of them that applied and didn't go through.
0: Yeah, it could be. But I don't know.
1: But the fact of the matter is, you were only able to track down three.
0: Right. And I heard about them from the outside. I didn't. I didn't even learn about them internally. So the first one I heard about from uh, Mineke. And Associates, Manky, yeah, Manky, Manky, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, Philip De Domenici sends me an email in uh, it was last year, oh, and it's amazing these last eight months of the pandemic. So, it was a year ago, it was in November of last year. He says, Hey, we did the first 7A, or someone did the first 7A loan transaction, and it was for uh, a, a small engineering consulting firm in Louisiana. So, it wasn't even my district, right. But I, di- I didn't know about it internally. Someone from the outside said, "David, by the way, this happened," and then I, I heard about another one through a news, re- a press release. Because I, I did a Google, I do, I have a Google news alert to send me whenever something like this comes up in the news. I heard about that one. Then I went and tracked down details in our database, and then um, R.L. Chandra from the National Cooperative Bank said told me, oh, we did one with a cooperative, a worker cooperative, 7A loan, got it through. You know, it was like birthing a baby. It like <laughs> It was like birthing an elephant baby, you know, but they got it done. So now I am certain, I know for certain, three have been done, two ESOP, one co-op, but that's it. I don't actually have a way to go find out if any more have been done because we don't even capture the information separately. That's new. That's That was in the legislation. It was mentioned that we have to begin tracking this, but... You know, we we don't have the system in place yet to do it. So
1: One other point that I'd like to go back to is I've always had it in my mind that, among other challenges, SBA, the 7A loans were capped at five million uh, so that the transactions were capped at five million. Yeah, I had that half wrong. The loans are five million, but it could be, an eight million dollar, ten million dollar transaction, yeah. where the SBA financing is is up to five million.
0: Yeah, you can have a, a firm that's going to sell for ten million dollars, and if it's if the lender is an SBA lender and they want to do a seven eight, they want to have even more, you know, guarantee. As I said, a lender will take as many guarantees as it can get, as much security as it can get on a loan. So they'll do five of the $10 million purchase as an SBA 7A loan, and they will get a 75% guarantee on that uh, from the SBA. And then the other 5000000 million, they'll just finance it with one of their other non-SBA loan products, whatever it is, they'll finance it without that guarantee. So that's, there's a way to, to match them right? to, or to join the two financing methods together.
1: So what I think is important for EO to remember is that Uh, And again, there are still limitations. SBA loans will never be the end-all be-all where they don't apply, but there are ways that we can apply them that we haven't tried, so I think that's very important to uh, understand. Please join us next week for Episode 126, when I'll conclude my conversation with David Hinkepee. If you're an EO practitioner, advocate, or organization you're going to want to listen in for some great ideas on how we can all build a pipeline of EO transactions. As we're releasing this episode, the United States is approaching 10 million coronavirus cases and almost a quarter of a million deaths. We're going through a lot together right now, and that is how we'll get through it, together. In the meantime, please wear a mask. This is Brett Kiesling, Thank you so much for listening.
0: We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Kesop LLC and on Twitter at ESOP Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email Brett at keesop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Keesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Keesop Group. Technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design. Original music composed by Max Kiesling. Archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Keesling. And I'm Bitsy McCann.